Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff, and today I am joined by Andy Varela. Andy is a black belt, and he is the head coach at 10th Planet Las Vegas. Andy has been absolutely tearing it up this past year. I feel like almost every other show on Submission Underground, he's been killing it. He's done a bunch of other tournaments. Um, Andy, dude, black, I am so happy to have you on. It's Gonna, we're going to have a good time today. I'm really, really excited to talk to you. But I just want to kind of start by talking about how you found jiu-jitsu, how you found grappling. When did you start training, and when did you fall in love with the art of choking another human being? <laughs> okay, what's up? First of all, I'm just excited to be on. I appreciate you having me. Uh, I always listen to you guys discuss about jiu-jitsu, and it's cool to uh, be talking to you. Um, and I found jiu-jitsu because... My dad was a professional fighter um, when I was young, I mean, obviously coming up. So I always saw him training and stuff, and he would teach me striking. And uh, he didn't want me uh, training or anything, but I joined wrestling in high school on my own. And uh, so I kind of knew I wanted to do MMA when I was in wrestling. But I tried jiu-jitsu a couple times at that time, and I didn't like it. It was way different than wrestling. It was really boring to me uh the learning process of it and just like the class structure um and then my dad finally invited me to train when i was about 20 at his gym which ended up being a 10 planet gym with uh victor davila and uh i would kind of take a class here and there you know i still didn't like it too much i really loved striking and training mma and stuff and then uh i don't know if it's cool to say but my friend kind of started smoking uh marijuana with me and then i started smoking marijuana before jiu-jitsu and i kind of started liking it more and enjoying it like the training <laughs> part of it and uh i found myself really like rolling and yeah so after that i kind of started really liking jiu-jitsu <laughs> So you're from Texas, right? So you were in the El Paso area. Yeah. How did you find yes, your way to Las Vegas? Um, I remember one year at Worlds when I was a blue belt, I saw Casey and he was like, hey, man, I love what you're doing uh, in MMA. If you ever want to come out and train with me, like you're more than welcome. And uh, yeah, that was when I was like young, probably like 21, 22. And around 25, I was kind of just, it was really hard to find training partners for me out there where I lived. Um, you know, martial arts wasn't that big in that city. So it was pretty hard for me. So I knew I needed to make a change. And I remember the talk I had with Casey. So I went to go visit him. And I got really good training when I was out here as far as MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. So, uh, he was like, hey, man, I'll, I'll give you a job. Like, you move out here. I really want you to be a champion. Like, you worry about training hard. We'll get you a job, and it'll be hard. But I think if you trust me, we'll we'll do something with you. So uh, I made the move. And it's been working out. I mean, obviously, you've really blown up since you joined Casey and his team. You know, Casey's a guy that I think a lot of people don't hear enough about. Even in the 10th Planet system, people don't realize how – amazing Casey Halstead is and how many fighters he guides what yeah. has Casey really taught you and how has he helped guide you into being a better competitor and a better martial artist uh, I think most 
I think uh, just the way he handles uh, our thought process, you know, um, I think he has a really good thought process for MMA as far as like, you shouldn't give up anything to anyone, you know, you shouldn't, uh, I don't know, like his mentality about training is obviously hard and stuff, but I think just the idea of fighting or whatever is take everything, give nothing. And uh, coming up, like my dad was my striking coach. So hearing like the grappling aspect of that change was kind of different for me. So it was cool. I started like playing top a lot more, caring more about position. And since I had more of the movement style, mixing those two kind of blended well together. When did you start striking and what was it like? I mean, learning from your dad and your dad's uh, it's very rare to you know, your dad's walking the walk. He's not just coaching from the sideline like he's actually going out there and fighting. I mean, I'm sure that must have been a pretty crazy experience growing up as a, a fighter son. Yeah, um, he's a different he's a different guys like. He's pretty intense, man, so uh, it was pretty. It was kind of difficult coming up under him, but, you know, I think it helped us as father and son because we never really were, like, super close as when I was a kid. So it was cool kind of learning and coming together when I was, like, older at, like, 20 and stuff. It was pretty cool. Guiding me through my fights and stuff. It was pretty awesome. And when did you, like, have your first fight? So I know you've had, um, you know, four or five professional fights, but when did you first step into the, the octagon? Uh, I think I was 21. I, my dad said I could fight when I turned 21, which is, it's kind of weird, right, that that was a rule now that I think about it. But, yeah, he was like, once you're 21, you can fight, you can do your own thing. And I was like, okay, cool. So I took a fight then. And... You went what, like four or five and zero as a, as an amateur. You uh, had a yeah. pretty short amateur career. I had a, yeah, I had one smoker fight and I had six amateur fights. Uh, I was undefeated in my amateur career. I did pretty good. They're all like one minute, two minute fights. So really were, were they all in Texas? Uh, yeah, New Mexico, Texas, uh, for the most part for my amateur career, as far as I can remember. And so you moved to the professional scene, and the last time you fought professionally was, I think I, I saw it was like 2018. So yeah. when did you decide to like focus on just doing jujitsu? I know you're planning on fighting again. You're definitely gonna, you know, step back in there. But what made you just like focus on jujitsu for the past couple of years? Uh, so when I was a brown belt, I still didn't even like jujitsu, like. The competing of it was always just like a supplement to me so like i didn't like jujitsu kind of i would just do it and compete you know i wasn't like preparing for it uh but i took a loss when i was a brown belt off of falling for a guillotine and just like losing by two points and i was like bro i'm always losing in a points tournament by like two points just off of me hunting for submissions and uh, i rolled with hinato canuto at that time and the I could tell on how much he cared about points and even just training, and uh, that kind of opened my eyes to the tr how to change my training. So I realized there's a different level of grappling, and that's what kind of got me excited about it. Is when I kind of trained with him and Mikey Musumeci when I moved to Vegas. 
I was like, oh, wait, there's another level. And that's what kind of got me excited. You know, I, I've heard some some pretty uh, famous tales of you and Hinata rolling in, in Vegas. Uh, Casey, you know, it would be like, man, you, you got to see like Hinato and Andy rolling is like a, a it's like poetry in motion, you know, because Hinato's famous for his movements. And obviously yeah. people are starting to see your expression and the way that you move it is also beautiful. What what was it like training with Hinato and how much have you learned from him? Uh, I learned I learned a lot from him, honestly, just like the training was completely different. I mean, coming up from 10 Planet System compared to like their side is completely like uh, IBJJF preparation. So it was kind of like a different learning curve, you know. Uh, I also would like put on the gi with them a lot just to do it, you know. I wasn't scared just to put on a gi and work with them as well. Um but yeah, it really opened my eyes just to a different style of jiu-jitsu, and uh, I think it really just helped with my game, you know. Yeah, for sure, and again, I, I was telling you before we started that I was always have been really interested in watching you move. You're one of those guys that it's just fun to watch you practice and train jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. Have you always had like a movement-based style, and how do you practice moving just like moving your body how did you get so good at flowing uh hmm. so i guess growing up i really liked dancing my dad also was really good at dancing <laughs> and i was like i want to be a break dancer when i was little i would always try break dancing and i wasn't any good at it and i hadn't i always wanted to learn how to dance and i just never did because i felt really goofy and uh, I remember when I started training striking, I always had just like kind of smooth footwork too. And I played basketball and I think that's kind of what helped is my footwork translated well into striking, which translated into my wrestling and, uh, and jiu-jitsu. And uh, yeah, I don't know, kind of just found like that flow. And I, I always tell my students too, I was like, you should feel like the wind's flowing through your body when you're training, you know? You should feel like the clouds carrying you. I, I really like that. And, you know, you, you get all the time, right, guys that come in really, really stiff. How do you work with a guy that's really, really stiff and get them to kind of open up and, and get more into uh, just moving their bodies? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's still tough. You know, that's still a process of me learning. You know, I'm kind of a young coach. And you can get some of the stiffest guys there is possible. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of hard to break through at that time. But. For the most part, I unlock most people's movement and style to kind of just work and move. If you, that's why I, I think that's why our training looks fun too, is because like a lot of my guys, uh, we don't resist everything too much, but we still go through the motion, scrambling hard, and I think we kind of develop that as a team. So that's something you think you can train. You think that that is uh, it's like you can really build a flowing movement style by the way you train it. Like somebody coming in really stiff can definitely learn to move. Cause a lot, you hear a lot of guys go, I can't move like you. I can't move like Andy Verov. Yeah. Andy, I can't move like him. Yeah. But you think they can. Yeah. I think they definitely can. I have like guys that are like 40, close to 40 years old, which isn't old, but they weren't necessarily movers at the beginning of when I started training with them. I would pass their guard and they would be in turtle just stuck there. And I'm like, nah, get up. You got to just push them and I'll move them for themselves. You know, like, you got to stand up. You got to stand up. I'm talking some other rolling. 
And I think the more their cardio got better and the more I would force them to move, they kind of learn to develop that dance with me, which I think is kind of growing to more and more of our team, which is cool. It makes the training fun. When you're creating your curriculum, because I've really been enjoying, uh, I saw a movement you did that started in the guard. You went to like De La Hiva and then you went to a get, a get up and then a takedown. And uh, I thought that was just really cool. Kind of inspired me to do more kind of wrestling up from the bottom and using my guard to like stand up into wrestling and, and been teaching a little bit like that. And so uh, I wanted you to know that that definitely inspired me. Um, cool. When you're thinking of your curriculum, though, like how are you like putting together movements for your students? Mm-hmm. Um, for my curriculum, I would say that I'm kind of just focused. So, like, my idea is always ADCC, right? So, mm-hmm. my uh, that's how I kind of kind of make the team is like we're always trying to wrestle and pass the guard and wrestling up from a guard. I know that I look at the stats of I like ADCC and I see what's most common and I kind of try to focus on those things. And it's kind of hard, you know, because I moved to the gym about three years ago, so like building guys up in three years is very hard but we've really focused a lot on like the aspects of wrestling and passing and coming up to wrestle and I think at that time it's helped me learn a lot and grow but um I think that's what I mainly focus on you know is what's most common right now at that level and uh of course we had EBI and positional stuff in there and all that but that's kind of the idea is we're working as a team towards that and i think it's helping everyone else kind of start to come up yeah i know you guys obviously being the biggest 10th planet mma school i mean you guys constantly have ufc guys coming in there i know casey i mean he works with ufc guys all the time um what's it like i mean having those high level professionals around um you know taking your classes and, and getting to train with um you know guys that are at the top of the sport yeah uh, it's cool. I mean, it's honestly a blessing. Like I've trained with just countless people since I've moved to Vegas. The access to those fighters is crazy. And I think it has opened my eyes up more than anything as well to be confident in teaching is the guys willing to be around me and they train with me and they're like trying to learn from me when I'm training with them, you know. And uh, that always tripped me out when I first moved here because I understood like I'm a, I'm a fan first, you know, so it's like seeing everyone around me, I'm like, whoa, like they're trying to learn from me, you know, and I, I don't even think I'm good yet, like at that time. And I think just who over are, time, that's kind of what gave me confidence, you know. Who are you probably like most starstruck? Was there anybody you just were like, holy, I cannot believe I'm about to teach this guy or I can't believe I'm about <laughs> to roll with this dude? Uh. The, I mean, there's honestly a bunch off the, off the top of my head. Uh, let me think. Um, who's the first one? I was just like, oh. Oh, uh, Joe B was a big one, for sure. <laughs> Joe B was one that I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is crazy. Because, I mean, I'm a little, I guess I'm older, right? So when I'm coming up, he was like one of the guys that was already doing it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, the, the few times I've been lucky to to train and, and teach a couple of these guys, it's uh, it's always like kind of like mind-blowing, like, man, you know, I've seen this guy fight like 10 times and now I'm showing him a technique or, you know, we're mixing it up in the training room. 
And I know, um, you know, you you guys, I mean, you have a bunch of guys. I mean, I know Julian Arosa, you know, he's always yeah. in the training room up there. Yeah. He, I mean, he's been one of my uh, good friends and main training partners since, yeah, he's just, he's been a big help too. That, that guy is so humble, man. He's like really good and he has so many fights and he's still just taking classes like every day. It's crazy. It, it's but crazy it to see those guys. They'll work with like blue belt too. You'll see them yeah. drilling, and they're drilling with blue belts, and you're like, man, yeah. this guy's had multiple fights in the UFC, and yeah. he's training with a blue belt, you know, and mixing yeah. it up with blue belts. It's it's very uh, humbling. I'm sure that also kind of kind of uh, keeps you uh, kind of grounded, too, as you see, you know, guys like that just, you know, yeah. have that type of attitude, man. It's so important as a martial artist. Yeah, for sure. More often than not, too, you see that, how uh, humble UFC fighters are more often than not, you know, especially in person. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, one of my buddies, he, um, he's done a lot of cornering and stuff and he's, uh, does a lot of stuff with the UFC and I'm always kind of like, who's the guy you don't like, I'm not going to put you on blast right now, but it is always yeah. like a couple of guys and people are like, no, this guy's not very cool, but um, yeah, there's I, always, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I want to talk about Submission Underground. How did you first get linked up to Submission Underground? Um, how did you get in contact with Chael? Because I know that can be a pretty tough process to get even on a card. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I had done, like, fights, wins, and combat worlds and stuff. And I, mean, I tried to get on Shug a few times, but it never just never came to anything. But when they had the first 10K tournament and Kyle Bone was in it, um, that's when Mason first won his title. I guess Cobblem got hurt, so they called me. They're like, hey, your name was mentioned. Cobblem got hurt. And at the time, I was like, damn, that dude's like 220. But, yeah, I'll fill a spot. Yeah, let's go. You know, I didn't even know who was in the tournament at that time. And then I found out Roberto Jimenez was in it. It was in it. Fucking uh, Mason, Cody, like all these guys. They were really, really good. So I was excited, you know. Yeah, man, it, it's a it was a phenomenal opportunity, and you've faced at this point what you've been on like you've had like 10, 12 matches on Submission Underground, something like that. I think so. Honestly, I don't I don't know. I I'm kind of weird where I don't know numbers that well with stuff like that. But I, <laughs> I, I think you're the expert, so yes, we'll say ten or twelve. Or... Yeah, dude, I, I'm I'm pretty tuned in, dude. I, I'm All right, pretty cool. tuned in. And cool, so cool. yeah, you've been on it a bunch, and uh, you know, you've had some really big victories. You you. You faced, I mean, pretty much everybody that Submission Underground has put in, you know, or has really been on Submission Underground. Because, you know, they've got some names, right? You know, you've got Mason Fowler, who you fought for the title. Uh, let's talk about that Mason Fowler match, because I always hear Mason Fowler is, like, the strongest dude. Dudes are like, no, like, he looks strong, but you don't understand until you grab him. Like, this dude is yeah. strong. Yeah. What did he feel like grappling him? Uh, yeah, he's he's a strong dude. Um, I'd especially like he's flexible too. So I think that's what's the difficult thing about him is he's like you can he can move his body well, fast, but he's also very strong. And I think that's what makes him difficult. But grappling him, honestly, I felt fine. I really want that rematch with him, and he's my boy, so I hate calling him out. <laughs> like we're we're actually call of duty friends before we actually had to start training again to go against each other like i never thought i'd be going against him you know yeah um but yeah 
I want to go against him again. I know how he feels, and I feel that just with time, I'm getting better and better. So, uh, well, you, you've yeah. definitely been on a roll recently. I mean, you started off, you you had, um, you know, you had two losses. You went against Pedro Mourinho, and he guillotined you. And yes. Pedro's been on fire, man. Pedro's been on fire. But after that, you went on on a tear, though. You know, you went, you you won four or five matches in a row. And I mean, you beat Ben Egley, you beat uh, a bunch of dudes. Um, how did you like prepare for a five minute match? Cause that's like the big complaint about submission underground is that it's a five minute match. Like, do you like it being five? Do you like five minute matches over 10 minute matches? Um, like, how do you feel about the five minute match? Uh, five minute match is really short. So like preparing for it's like super easy. I mean, I'm always gonna be in shape. I shouldn't get tired in five minutes, you know? Um, yeah, so just training is always pretty easy for a five minute match, and it, but it's always pretty sketchy going to overtime. You know, I don't like people starting anywhere near on my back or arm bar position for free. You know, that's my big thing is not giving up anything. And so, like, five minutes, oh shit, he's on my back already. So, yeah, but, dude, especially like Mason Fowler, because I mean, Mason has just been destroying people with his back game. Yeah, he gets that body he Yeah, that feels so strong from that position, man. Yeah, and I mean, he gets that body triangle. I mean, he made Craig Jones like verbal tap. Like Craig did not want to. He just had to make. And he had to verbal tap because of that that spine lock he was doing. I mean, he was tweaking his back. I mean, that's that's a really tough puzzle to solve because, like you said, like he has to start on your back. Yeah, it's. It's rough. I mean, submitting Mason Fowler in five minutes is like, what? How are you going to do that? You know? And so he does get that free start in the back. So that's definitely, you got to think about that for sure. So going into, you know, you're probably near the top of getting another title shot. Obviously, they're going to run that Mason versus Kyle match whenever that happens. Yeah. Um, but do you have like anybody else? I know um, I, I talked to Aaron Teagues. I know that they, uh, Chell talked about you fighting Aaron in a match. Um, you know, Aaron's on a, on a real big win streak over there. But it, I still like you're in front of him. I feel like you are at that top of the line right now in contenders to be Mason Thaw. Is there anybody else that, that you think you need to beat before you get a rematch with Mason? Uh, did I think I need to beat? No. Um... I feel that there's just no one else putting the work in it. I mean, man, dude, I had to fight Hassan Rita. It was a month. I'm 175 pounds. Like, I had to go against Pedro. I had to go against Mason. I had to go against Satoshi Ishii. Like, uh, Sean Strickland. These guys are all 200 pounds, and I'm putting the work, you know, I'm putting in the time. So I think if anyone deserves it, it's me. Aaron Teagues beats a couple of guys. You know? I, don't, I don't know any of the guys really that he's beat, but. They, they're putting me through the ringer, and I think right now I'm on a run, so just give me the shot if someone's injured. Yeah, I, I, I think so, and especially, you know, this Strickland match was really interesting because Sean, you know, he, he's a, he, he's a uh, character. I mean, you know, you hear in the MMA community, Sean's a uh, love him or hate him type guy. I know some dudes that train. I know he trained at Boogie's Gym, and yeah. Boogie really likes Sean Strickland. Um, he's like, oh, yeah, Sean's a cool dude. You know, and uh, but I also know some dudes that are like, dude, 
you know, yeah. Sean Strickland. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't mess with Sean Strickland type. You know? <laughs> so, I, you know, I know he had said, like, he's like, oh, I might headbutt Andy Varela. Or I might do this. I might do that to Andy. Like, yeah. what were you thinking going into this match with this dude that is really a wild card, man? I mean, you don't know what to expect from him. So I had trained with Sean before, and let me tell you, like, even though I tapped him, um, I was not happy about the training session, you know? He, like, was bullying me, like, putting me against the wall constantly, trying to take me down. Like, it was a really tough round for me, and that was when I first moved to Vegas, you know? And uh, so when I got the matchup, I was like, oh, dude, like, this isn't going to be fun. Like, I already know this dude, how he trains, and I'll beat him for sure, but it's just not going to be, like, fun to me. And then once I actually got in the match, I felt actually really good. Like, I just, I was like, oh, dude, this, I'm a grown man now. Like, I'm not worried about this guy anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're 21, you know, and Sean Strick, like, when you first went against Sean, or I guess training, you were, what, 20, I guess you were probably more like, what, 23, 24? Yeah, I was. I mean, not a young kid, but you know, I was just yeah. younger in the game, 20, 24, probably twenty five. I mean, dude, that's young. I mean, and especially in this day and age, where we see guys fighting in their forties. I mean, when you're twenty three, twenty four, you are kind of still a kid in this game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's I why mean, I felt. Yeah, and but you, you, the match starts right, and you know he's heavy collar ties, lots of wrestling, you know, but he turns his back. And okay. he's saying that he was like baiting you to try and get a Kimura, um, which makes a little bit of sense, I guess. Uh, you know, he, but you immediately, it's one of the coolest highlights because, I mean, you just jump on his back. The moment he, I, I love seeing, I love seeing guys that when they do something dumb like that, they pay for it immediately. Yeah. And you made him pay for it. So, what were you thinking during the match? And then, when he turned his back, like, is there any thought? Or are you just out there to kill? And you saw an opportunity for the neck, and you got it. Yeah, I, that's that's uh, that's the way I teach my kids' class. I teach them. I'm like, we put a gazelle that has a kid runner, and we make him a lion, and we go, you got to hunt the back, and you got to get that kill. And uh, that's the way I view training. Is like, yo, you got to hunt that back. And anytime you see a glimpse of the back, that's got to be a kill, you know. And he showed me his back for a second, and I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> you messed up, player. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it was funny because you even hear like, dude, Chelsea was like, what an idiot. He just like, God, like, yeah. God, like, what a dummy. And I mean, it, it was awesome. I, I mean. The finish, it's just one of those highlights that you're going to be able to play for a long time. And, and Sean's a badass dude. I mean, Sean's killing it in the UFC right now. That's a huge yeah. win for you. Yeah, he, he's doing good right now, so it was good for – it helps. It helps yeah. for sure. <laughs> but I, I think the, the match that I really want to talk to you about, it was your experience down there when you, when you faced um, – you know, you won your first match down there in that 16-man bracket, and then you faced Jefferson uh, Gores Gorsese or whatever. I, I can't say his last name, but yeah. guy just won Nogi Worlds. Jefferson uh, Gorsese. Gorsese, yeah. Gorsese, yeah, there we go. Uh, Beast, he just won Nogi Worlds, and you in your first match, I can't remember who you faced in your first match, but you won, then you faced Jefferson, and you're going against the Nogi World Champion. All right? Yeah. And honestly, I thought you won that decision. I, I was shocked that you didn't win that decision. I'm sure you probably felt that way. I mean, you won. I, I not yeah. being biased. I always try and call it like I see it. I, 
I thought you won. But anyways, you have that incredible match. Um, how much confidence did you get from that, knowing that, man, you're right there. You're right there at the top. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that match with Garessi, I, when I found out he was a world champion, and I was like, oh, this is exciting. Um, and then we start the match, and I just felt good, bro. And we got done, and they gave him the decision. And I call it like I see it, too. You know, I'm, I'm a competitive guy. Like, if I lose, I lose. I understand. I didn't think I lost, but it is what it is. And, you know, I have I have a lot of confidence, like, with what's going on in my life right now. So that match helps, of course, but I had confidence before that. Like, I knew I could beat him when I first saw his first match. I forgot who he went against first, but I was like, dude, I can beat this guy. He's He's a normal human being just like me. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't like you like dominated him. It was a good match and there was a lot of scrambles, but I I thought you were winning those scrambles. And so, I mean, I wasn't surprised to see him like that. He won, you know, like I said, it was a close match. It was very even. Um, Yes, for sure. So I shouldn't say that it was like all terrible decision. I mean, I I thought you won, but it wasn't an overwhelming, like, oh, the worst decision I ever saw. Yeah, definitely. When I wasn't like, oh, you know, I wasn't going to cry about it, but it just in my head, I was like, oh, I thought I won, but it is what it is, you know. And I think as like when I'm talking to athletes, I'm always most interested in how they learn from matches they lose. Um, when you lose a match, um, you know, let's say whether it was the Pedro Mourinho match or this that one with Jefferson, how do you improve from it? Like how long, I guess, do you take to kind of process? Do you get really emotional? I know some guys are super emotional for like 24 to 48 hours afterwards um, and then they kind of let it go or like how long does a loss affect you and then like how, how do you improve from a loss how could somebody get better from losing uh i i love taking an L. I don't love taking an l but i think taking an l is sometimes important it helps you put a magnifying glass on your game and i like being real about my game you know and Garessi especially his guard was very good in that match and i believe me to be a very good passer especially like over time like i think i can wear guys out and eventually pass um he he's had retained the whole match so it really looked and i was like oh man i can't pass guard so in training you know i'm just putting more reps putting more time studying more you know studying good guards more and now I'm in training, especially right now, I'm really going both sides well. And uh, yeah, that's what I've kind of added more is uh, during that match, I was going one side and the other side here and there, but not enough, you know. So from that, I've learned I've really pushed the pace going side to side hard and changing my directions and angles and passes. And, what what type of drills are you doing to work your passing? I, I love passing the guard. I think passing the guard is like the most fun to th- uh, thing to do in jiu-jitsu. So I'm always really yeah. interested in hearing like drills and how you're improving your passing. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't drill too much on my own. Uh, I'll like learn sequences and pass. I'll go really slow. And then obviously I, I put a lot of live work in myself. So. I think I drill the most when I'm going live. I, I learn the most that way. You know, I'm getting real reactions, real timing, real thinking. And I think my body reacts really well to that kind of training for me, for me, you know? 
Oh, no, I do the same thing. And I tell guys like, yeah, like me and you are both black belts. And so yeah. we can drill on most guys we go against. You know, we're going against blue yeah. and purple belts. We can use that as our drilling time. Yes, so, for sure. So that's when you do most your or you do most your work, obviously teaching and then just going live with your guys. Then? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll teach kids. I'll teach adults. And then I basically just go live after. What has teaching kids taught you? I hear a lot of guys just say that like, teaching kids is like one of the most important things that um, they ever did for their game. Do yeah. you feel like it's like really made you a lot better? Uh. I don't, know. I don't know if it's made me better at jiu-jitsu. I think with more than anything, it probably gave me more of a liking towards kids because I absolutely hated kids before I even had to teach them. When Casey <laughs> first told me how to teach kids class, I was like, yo, I'm not the one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think over time, it's gave me like a, a little bit of a, a heart for them, you know? I, I, you know, I can hang with them more now and it's cool. I, th I think it's taught me more than anything how to be a better human being rather than being a better martial artist on the mats. <laughs> Dude, I can vibe with you, brother. I sort of got same thing. I, I you know, I, I didn't know that I didn't, I didn't hate kids. I wouldn't say, I was like, oh, you know, I'm not trying to mess up. I'm definitely not trying to be the kids instructor and having yeah. taught kids classes now and, and especially filling in. I don't do it full time, but, you know, I'll, I'll fill in for a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there. It's definitely, like you said, made me a better human being. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, well, yeah, that also gets me excited now because I got some crazy kids that are really good, bro. So I actually get excited, like, going in there and I'm like, God damn, these roles are fun to watch. <laughs> Dude, I was watching you flow with one of your kids, and that's what I was saying, like, your ability to flow. I always tell you guys that, that flow really well can make anybody look good. Like you could yeah. make anybody look good. You can get some blue belt that's not very good. And if they're working with you, it's like, damn, who's that blue belt? Like yeah, that's yeah. moving really good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny how that works. And um, so I, I'm really interested in, in hearing kind of your future plans. Like what do you, like, where do you want to be? Like, when do, are you going to fight again? Like, when, like, when yeah. are you looking to fight? Um, obviously, you've talked about ADCC. Is, like, that your main grappling goal, ADCC, and then then get back into fighting? Or what are you thinking? Uh, so, I should, I'm preparing to fight right now. Like, I'm getting my body ready, and I'm striking again, and trying to do the MMA thing. Um for grappling i do want to win adcc that's on my mind like all the time i really fell in love with jiu-jitsu so it's on my mind like all i messed up by not doing east coast trials but obviously a heisen hurt my arm and then some other things came up that i had to do that i just couldn't make it um so now i'm just preparing for west coast trials but i'll be taking a fight before that you know for sure now, so um, when you're preparing to fight, what, what does that look like? You know, and it, it's been a few years. Like, what um, what does a training camp look like for you, um, especially like leading up to this fight? How are you kind of envisioning this training camp? Uh, I envision this training camp probably just just adding, um, getting back into sparring again, just to kind of get the feel of people throwing at me again, which I don't have a problem with at all. It should be pretty easy to get ready for a fight again, man. Like, probably just add more practices in. With jiu-jitsu, I kind of train twice a day and kind of just rest, you know. 
uh, MMA, I'll probably need to add a little more mitt sessions, a little more striking sessions. Um, but I feel really good, man. There's just no way I'm getting tired. Well, how much confidence do you have, though, knowing, like, dude, you're one of the best grapplers in the world. Like, you not yeah. not just, like, saying that, like, you've proven that. You have literally proven that you are one of the baddest dudes on the mats. And now you're going back into the cage, and you've got that confidence knowing, like, dude, most nobody can like, – not very many dudes are going to be able to mess with you when it comes to you – know, whether it's the clinch work, the takedowns, and especially when it comes to submissions. Yeah, three a lot has changed in three years, so that's what's kind of – I'm feeling really good and really confident about this comeback, man. Yeah, it is uh, the UFC the goal? Like, uh, I mean, yes, is MMA so like UFC champion is like that's kind of what you envision for the future? Yeah, man. Um, I know it's always like delusional say that to say that kind of stuff, but like, like I said, I've I've spent a lot of time here and I spent a lot of time training with the guys who are at that level, and uh, you know, I I don't I don't see why not. Well, that, the thing is like delusion is is when a guy is you know you got to kind of lie to yourself right before you make it but i mean dude yes. like you've proven you're one of the best grapplers in the world so there's no reason that you can't become a ufc champion like and when i see that like when i see especially your style so it's different you know if a guy like craig jones was saying like hey i'm going to become ufc champion i might be like mm, you know like he just doesn't have the really the wrestling he doesn't like how's he going to get the fight to the ground um yeah. but your style is perfect for mma it's perfect for MMA. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I can mix it up really well. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, no, I, I can't wait to watch the, the, the comeback and, and to see you. What, where, uh, what organization are you going to be fighting for? Uh, I was at the UFC Invitational last night. I was supposed to do that, and uh, my guy pulled out. But uh, so I was at the event, and the LFA guy was there. He's like, hey, bro, you need to be on my team next time. Uh, obviously they won last night, but I was like, oh yeah, for sure. And I was like, I'm trying to fight again. Uh, if we could do that too. And he's like, man, whenever you're ready, just hit me up. So, and you know, LFA goes right into the UFC a lot. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, LFA is probably the best feeder promotion. Like, Hey, I want to be in the UFC. LFA is definitely the, the promotion to be in. Yeah, exactly. Well, dude, uh, so after fighting, like, do you have any, like, plans of, like, opening up a gym one day? Or are you going to be a martial artist for the rest of your life, I guess, is, is the question. Yeah, I'll be the martial artist for the rest of my life. Yeah, when, I'll, when I'm done with my athletic career, I'll definitely open up a gym. You know, that takes a lot. I think uh, just coaching and being an athlete right now is okay. I don't think opening up a gym is close by but well yes it's definitely in the plans i'm a martial artist for life um last thing i, I really want to ask you is just advice for anybody out there getting into competition you know we got a lot of guys that you know are, are trying to do some of the things you've done and uh the, you know they're trying to work their ways into you know submission underground and being at the point where you know people are, are talking about them in the community what advice do you have for for these young blue and purple belt competitors that are hungry and looking for opportunities? Um, I think to you guys that are young and trying to aspire to be a high level grappler, I think one, obviously the normal stuff, training hard, your diet, all that crap, but 
<laughs> we're in the this is entertainment you know uh promoters are looking for entertaining people to be on the front of their cards and headline and grow the sport and i think in general if you're trying to grow the sport i think being entertaining is a big deal and being easy to watch i think someone should that doesn't know about jiu-jitsu or wrestling you should just be easy to watch you know and i think to you young guys out there just have fun in the gym really unlock your bodies unlock yourself unlock your training um don't stick to just one specific style like really unlock your footwork and training and be exciting and fun i think it'll help you get matches easier i believe yeah i i couldn't agree more man and and people even just tune into your instagram if you can flow and you can move and even be just fun during training people are going to start tuning in uh man yeah i completely completely agree well so next year ADCC trials and a fight like that's the two big things for you right ADCC trials and fight and then I guess submission underground title yes that if I don't yeah I mean the titles on my mind for Suge ADCC trials and then my comeback MMA fight will be really soon 2021 as well or 2022 (laughs) yeah dude well hell yeah man I uh will definitely be rooting for you man um I definitely missing you at the east coast trials but obviously you know i mean i'm that arm bar uh from hasim like you know you escaped but it took a little bit of damage there and you got you got yeah. the death. that was a huge win by the way i mean hasim's yeah. got what 40 pounds on you yeah he was a monster yeah Big boy. <laughs> no and i think that's the thing that people really like about you is you're willing to face these monsters yeah for sure <laughs> you don't believe in weight classes you're a crazy person dude yeah, I, I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, thanks again for coming on. Uh, how can the people follow you or if they want to like get you out for a seminar or have you on their you know promotion or whatever? How can people get in touch with Andy? Uh, I only have IG guys, Ninja Dot, Andy Varela. Uh, any questions, any concerns, just hit me up, man. Yeah, you guys, make sure you guys follow him. And again, Andy's going to be a guy to really watch out for in the future. I mean, not in the future, right now. I mean, he's one of the best grapplers in the world. And, man, I I cannot wait to see what you do in the MMA world. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Really appreciate it. Hey, man, I I appreciate you saying those words, man. That's a big deal for me. Uh, And thank you for having me on, dude. It was a great talk. Yeah, dude, we'll definitely do it again. Uh, After you win the the championship, we'll definitely have you back on, brother. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, guys. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. See you, Andy. See you guys. Peace. Later, brother.